for anybody listening, the Lumineers, people who shine light is what I call them, that um, at any point that they hear something or heard something and this podcast or it sparked their curiosity, I really like to encourage you to write that down, to follow through with it, you know, to research it. Don't let it stop here. You know, you're looking for growth, enlightenment, expansion, whatever the word is. The way that you're going to get there is by following through just those tiny little moments of aha, spark, or when you're lit up. So if you had those today, please follow through. And then if you're just feeling social, put the fingers to the keyboards and leave a comment about it. That way we get a feedback of why these conversations are fulfilling and why they're important. And to get you got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Welcome to another show. Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So great to be with you again. And remember, if you like our conversations, hit that like button and subscribe to all the platforms that you're listening to this on. Look who I've got on the show. I know people listening to this on audio can't see it, but it's Jamie Butler all the way over there in Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me today. I love this. Jazz hands for those people who can't see us. <laughs> So I spoke to Jamie on the show 2016, that far back. And Time is uh, fine. we had a great conversation. So if you want to go back and revisit that show, you can do that. We probably won't go over everything that we talked about then. There's more things to talk about. But for people who didn't see that show, I'm going to read a bit of Jamie's bio so you've got an understanding of who Jamie is. I know many of you will know who Jamie is, but some of you won't. So Jamie Butler, born a natural medium. She's a wholeness expert, teacher, lecturer, mom. I love that M-O-M, mom. We say mom down under, as you know. Host of the Lighter Side Show, where she encourages learning truths through humour while letting go of learned behaviour. Founder of the Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary. Love that. Author of With Love and Light, a true story about uncommon gifts and founder of the Center of Love and Light, a live event space, co-founder of a non-profit learning environment. The Love and Light Institute cultivates potential within. Jamie's life goal is to teach people of all ages about their infinite possibilities of healing, joy and success available to us all when wholeness living is incorporated into our daily lives. As far back as Jamie can remember, she has always been able to see energy fields around people and inanimate objects and hear spirit voices. Her childhood was full of fun as she would play games and like hide and seek with her spirit friends. <laughs> now as an adult, those spirit friends give Jamie great insight and guidance, which, you, which she shares with others. In her early 20s, Jamie discovered she could trans-channel spirit. This is when you allow spirit to borrow your body and your voice to communicate and relay messages to others. You say here on your website, growing up with these abilities was definitely different. However, there were some perks. 
I was never alone. Think about it. I was never alone. <laughs> never. So it was essential that I had to learn how to control my abilities. It only took two years to figure it out. I was 23 before I could manage my abilities out in public without feeling like I was crazy. This was uh, exciting for me and gave me the encouragement to study the ancient Tibetan healing art of Reiki. It's so interesting. Everyone who starts their sort of healing or spiritual part always does Reiki first. Reiki right? seems to be this initiation. Like I was about 20 something when I did Reiki, like right way at the beginning. Yeah, so it's interesting how Reiki comes into people's lives. I received the status of Reiki master and uh, four years later in 1996, as well as had a bachelor's degree in fine arts from the University of Florida. I learned massage and hydrotherapy certificate in 1998 from the Florida High School of Massage before relocating to Atlanta where she lives today. While working as a massage therapist and energy healer, I wanted to understand their physical bodies and assist them with their healing using Reiki, but I noticed that some of the issues wouldn't heal. These kinds of wounds were usually not of this lifetime. So in 2000, you received a master's in hypnosis degree at mm -hmm. um, the extent, and which extended the education with an intensive past life regression program with Dr. Brian Weiss. I didn't know that you studied with Brian Weiss. I did, oh, yes. There you go. You know, your bio kind of reads a little bit like mine. It's so funny because I started sort of understanding my psychic abilities when I was massaging people working as a massage and all this information came to me. But you always had the information, which I didn't, I wasn't aware of. You were about to say something. <gasps> this is a very long bio. I didn't know she sent such a, a detailed well, one. It's, it's... I took it off your um, website because uh, we went through your story last time we chatted and I just wanted to give people a bit of an idea who you are because we're not going to go through your story again that's why i'm reading out your bio so you can read more about jamie on the website um, i met jamie through um, your work with elisa medhurst jamie worked with elisa mm -hmm. medhurst after her son eric left his body and the channeling eric family worked with the Eric family as uh, she worked as a translator for eric on the channeling eric youtube and also for elisa's two books my son and the afterlife conversations from the other side and my life after death a memoir from heaven so and it says here jamie says it's not woo woo it's true true <laughs> that's my favorite <laughs> that's your favorite line yeah so that's how i first saw you and when i did as a as a psychic and a medium myself i can see the level at which people read and um, I'm very critical about that too, which is terrible. I don't really tell people much. I'm just critical of my own head. And when I saw you, I'm like, oh my God, your level of connection. I had never seen anything like that. I was blown away. Really? Thank you for saying thank you. That's well, really nice. I'm sure many people have said that to you. You know, I, I do hear, you know, compliments and things of that nature, but I guess because it's something that's so natural natural to me i i can't understand at the level at what people see me like i just i i can't wrap my head around it well you know uh, so, as a psychic yourself when you're seeing other people read you know what mm. you know what they're doing right you can see what they're tapping into you can see when it's their mind kicking in and when yeah. it's, you can see that like i can see that when i see people read and with you i'm just like i just like Oh, I just sat back and went, oh, my God. Because 
I think you were the first person I ever saw that wasn't one of those psychics that say, I'm getting a name. It starts with a T. It starts with a T. It starts, you know, that's kind of what we were used to when we saw psychics. Whereas you'll go, I've got your son here. His name's Eric. And he tells me he shot himself. And it's just like, bang, you know, there was no sort of like, now, was it your son that died? I'm getting a name. It starts with E. Is it E? Is it a J? You know, that's kind of like, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it, it's, different kind of every time sometimes in a reading names don't pop up and sometimes I hear things that are just really confusing at a session before our podcast talk and a woman was standing there and she was like I'm Juju I'm Juju Juju and I was like what I don't think I'm hearing this right and so I kind of laughed and I said all right who's Juju and the woman on the phone was like oh my god that's my neighbor we all called her Juju. Like, how, are you really saying that? that? That's the most bizarre thing. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, you know, if we just slow down and listen enough, they are so willing to tell us everything. You know, they want to hide stuff from us. Yeah. And I was having a chat online just this morning or last night uh, about communication from the other side. They were saying, have you seen Sandra? Um, Kristen was saying, have you seen Sandra and Rinaldi's work? Who is, um, you know, Sandra, who's, who's got this sort of like using electronics to talk to the other side. And um, she was saying, you know, communication between this realm and that realm is also um, up to the person communicating from there to here as well as the per as well as the psychic so there is some skill in it they have to have some skill to communicate yes. as well right do, do you yeah totally get that? behind Sonia on that one yeah if they're good communicators like they were on earth maybe they're carrying that skill over or if they're really private they might still latch on to that I don't want to talk to a third party I've had some spirits come in and they'll give me just little tiny things and you could just see the look on their face. It's like, I don't want to tell you anything else. I don't know who you are. Why am I sharing this with you? And it's like, okay, you're holding on to that. That's good. No judgment, but your mother, your son, your whomever here wants to know more about this. So would you be willing? And sometimes it requires a little bit of psychology, get them comfortable you know, and you make a pact with them that you're not going to be sharing it with anybody else that, you know, and sometimes I'll say to them, listen, if I'm translating your message and it's not the way you want it translated, stop me. And I'm saying this to spirit, not people. Stop me and tell me that I've said a wrong word and then I will repeat it. I will be as fast as you need me to be. Okay. Sometimes that opens the door a little bit better, but you wouldn't think that would be the case with spirits, but it is yeah and also a lot of people have the misconception that once you've left the body you're all love and light and a <laughs> master right and, then, <laughs> and you don't have that sort of you know sort of grumpy personality where you would say no I don't want to talk to you like you'd sort of be so yeah there's I mean there's different levels that you can talk to too obviously mm -hmm. there are some people who transition who are all love and light like I've spoken to many people on the show whose mother died like Frances Key who starts channeling through her from this collective and downloads four books and then the most incredible books you've ever read so she was definitely love and light when she left her body not sort of in that sort of grumpy you know ego personality mind as well so it just depends on the person and the work they've done here as well as the work they've done is that right yes totally agree with that yes yeah so as a psychic you know contacting different levels of frequency do you find that you 
can't sort of hit, can you kind of hit all of them or do you sort of tune in more to one particular level? No, I like that question. Um, I think the way that I've trained myself since I've done this since I was a kid was I really honed in on that deceased loved one level. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like they were my friends. I saw them. They talked to me. I'm, I humanized them. And that's how I built that skill and made it okay for me. So when people come in and they say, you know, I want to communicate to my angels and my higher self and this and that, I'm like, okay, I can do that but you got to give me a minute. Like I pause and I, I go, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like a deeper end to go higher up and I hit that next level. But that's not normally where I land when I do my intent and I start my readings. Like I go to deceased loved ones level, if that makes any sense. That but I think you get it. Total sense. Right? And that's so interesting because I see you as a teacher and so that's really interesting to me because I don't land on the deceased loved one level. And I had this client who really wanted me to give her a reading from her deceased dad. And when I tuned into him, he was like at the end of this long hallway and I sort of couldn't get to him. Like it's not my level. And so, you know, I'd make a hell of a lot more money if it was my level. <laughs> Seriously, I would because that's the sort of level people want to speak to. Can you speak to my you know, mom, dad, brother, son, yes. daughter who's yeah. passed over. But no, I don't land there. So I totally get it. And yeah. And I've often wondered, do I, should I like hone my ability so I go to that level of the deceased loved one so that I, I get more work basically. And then my guide said, no, that's not your work. That's not your work. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So it's that teaching level that I go to where the, it's the collective they teach. And, but you're there as well because you're always teaching from that level. I love that. That's my favorite part. That's like my consciousness awake state likes to live there. But then when I tap in to do my readings, I go to that place. Yeah. And Grace, one of your guides, where does she mm. live? Does she live in that sort of collective teaching level? <laughs> yeah. She's up there somewhere. Boy, she challenges me to no end. Oh. We keep pointing up if you're listening, <laughs> we're like giggling and pointing to the sky for some reason. But yeah, uh, Grace is up there. She's a counselor of some sort. And she really gives me great insight on the larger picture of what my voice or my education. And she really helps me step out of just communicating. And I, I say just for the identity of a, a location or a place, not to belittle it at all, but to be able to step back from communicating to deceased loved ones and get into the grander picture of how these instruments in these bodies work. You know, how do we create boundaries out of it? You know, communicating with energy. How do we use that to better our life and not have that end goal of, I wish there was a word for this, but actually not having the end goal of enlightenment. Because they giggle and they say, you know, when you, when you keel over, when you leave this life, you're going to get there whether you have achieved it or not. So why are you working so hard to do it while you're choosing to be alive? So what's the difference, you know, living to the end goal of what you're going to get when you cross over or the art of living, period? Now, that's really interesting. Uh, that's really interesting. I've, I've had lots of chats with my mom about that. 
and they've said to me because i've looked at different sort of groups like the i used to be married to a Hare krishna and you see the Hare krishna group and it predominantly attracts you know younger men it's really interesting women as well but predominantly men and i've sort of looked at different how different philosophies attract different people different groups and um so there are some beings who come to earth to have this physical environment this dense physical environment to achieve enlightenment in this environment there are some not my goal but definitely groups of people and that's their goal mm -hmm. and they talk about that a lot and then there are others that come for other reasons some are coming in to like be a part of the shift some are coming in just to experience density karma whatever so there's so many reasons to come here but yeah, maybe the people that you're attracting, well, you're attracting the psychics, aren't you? The psychics and the new world teachers, aren't you? People that want to hone their, when I say psychics, not the right word, but hone their intuitive abilities, their healing abilities. Like that's your tribe, right? The intuitives, yes, the lumineers. The lumineers, yeah, I love the way. <laughs> so maybe that's not there. They're not here to to gain enlightenment they're here to maybe navigate our intuitive abilities because i just think that's where we're all going and teachers like you and me i suppose are teaching people got to make it normal it's just got to be normal yeah. Yeah. it's got to be a part of life i think there's a point where you sacrifice so much of your human lifestyle to be the enlightened one that you stop enjoying being the human one or yeah. as i call it the emotional being you know, we, we make all those sacrifices to what end? You know, you have to keep checking in. Is this really your level of enjoyment? Is this really what's floating your boat? And if it is, go for it. I will support you. I will carve you a paddle and hand it to you. <laughs> but if it's not and it's full of sacrifice to be the enlightened one and take the path that you think is the righteous one for you, you know, why are you being so hard and judgmental and so why are you allowing so much pressure to guide your life? Yeah. So I walk that fine line and for me, the living in joy or bliss is my kind of enlightenment. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. So yeah. I think I attract those people, the ones that like to find the joy and the bliss and provide a little bit of laughter and giggle into this and not place so much weight on the pressures of showing up and being just a solid human or showing up and being total enlightenment in every definition of the sense. Mm, mm, too much pressure. Just be, just be here now. Okay. So it's been a few years since we've chatted. I've got quite a few questions for you just because of the conversations oh, I love that. I've had on the show lately, <clears throat> but what's been happening with your lighter side network in the last few years? Because I think the last time we talked, it'd been about six months. You'd sort of pulled away from the Eric conversation. And we talked a lot about that because that's how I sort of found you through Elisa's channel. So what's been happening? What's been, what's been going on, girl? <laughs> what's been going on? Oh, my God. So much. Uh, we, I say we like I'm a collective, but I expanded the network. We now have podcasts as well as video casts, and we launched it free. We have no more subscription, oh, okay. and we are free to anyone who wants to see it. We have over 500 episodes, wow. video and podcast combined. So this is on YouTube? Um, and iTunes, I suppose, all those audio platforms? Yes, our podcasts, our audio podcasts are on iTunes, but you can find all of them collectively at thelightersidenetwork.com. 
So head over there. We do trans channeling. We talk about wholeness living, mind, body, emotion, soul, mindfulness, sound healing, like all this stuff. And my passion with the network is taking those experts right out of the field so that you can see they're just like you. You know, they are mom, they are dad, they have kids or they're single, like they're just like you. Because I noticed sometimes in our field that when they're published and they put them on tour and they put them up on stage, they kind of become the untouchable. And we see them as this success factor that doesn't necessarily match what we are successful in in our lives as a nurse, as a teacher, as a lawyer, as a doctor, as whatever. And I wanted to show the average person out there that we have experts in this field that are also doing these jobs that you're doing. It makes it more real to life. And you can reach out and contact them on their Facebook page. You can email them. They reply to you and they can help you build your, your enlightenment or your wholeness lifestyle. So we have that and that's out for free. We're on a bit of a sabbatical because I've decided to grow the center. So we've expanded our event space and we're having more person in-person events now. Cool. It's been spectacular. And then we've had this big calling to take our on in-person events online and live stream them. So I'm learning a whole new world of equipment. It's really like a one woman show a lot of the times. So I show a lot of gratitude for the Lumineers patients as I kind of dip into one area and out and kind of build them. And so right now we're working on the physical space and then in come January 2020, we'll be back online with classes, back online with the network. So when you say expanding, you're actually expanding this, the physical space as well, like you're getting more physical. Did you move or this is just my personal inquiry because yeah. you know, I, I want to do what you're doing in Sydney. I want to do it. I, I've been given the, well, I, yeah, I've been given the vision. <laughs> I, just, I just said to them, I've just watched so many people do it and fail. Yeah, it's and, hard. And I think I just said to my mob, I'll do it, but I'm not going to do it and, and scrape pennies. I said, no, it has to be done right. So I'm waiting. I'm just waiting next year, maybe next year. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm an open book. If you ever want to talk about budgets and how things can succeed or how we do things over here, I share everything. In my world, there is no such thing as competition. Yeah. And to be able to say that, you have to live it. Yeah. So when I see other people who are interested in what I do, I'm like, listen, I will talk to you about it, all honesty. And so it's really helpful because I feel like we need more of these centers around. Oh, absolutely. You absolutely. Know? I remember I was part of a, years ago, part of a, a council um, in the Academy of Light. It was before the internet. And we were talking about expanding what we were doing, like we were just doing Monday meetings and having a, a meditation and a teacher and so on and so forth. And I saw this centers all connected all over the world. It was sort of like, yeah, it was just, I saw it. And I've had this vision that, you know, you're doing your center. What if you were a teacher, right? Oh, sorry, I'm getting into my own stuff now. But what if you're a teacher and you want to teach? But mm -hmm. if you're connected to all these centers all over the world. Right. Can, yeah. It's like rather than the center just working on itself, like connect. To, yeah. Anyway, it's a bit of a vision I've had. We'll talk about it after the show. But um, yeah, we need to be all connected. Connected. Yeah. I love that. We can have yeah. a teacher circuit as well as an online circuit. circuit. Well, mm -hmm. like the music industry does. Like you're a musician, you go and play in different places. There's like a circuit, places where you go. Like it's the same thing, right? Book releases have it. Yeah. You have your book tour. Colleges have it. You have a speaker college tour. Like exactly. where's our health and wellness 
centered, connected tour. Exactly. God, the vision I've had for a while. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. Ditto. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're all waking up to this. We're slowly wow. like collaborating. You know, it, it's interesting because I see this, uh, you know, conversation expanding, but is it expanding enough to sort of support that? It's kind of getting there. It's getting there. Like the fact that you've done it in Atlanta, Georgia, we discussed this last time, you know, in the Bible Belt. Oh, yeah. Um, is amazing that you've got this up and running and that you, you're getting people coming. And But you must have seen in the last few years so many more people awakening and, and coming into yes. this conversation. Well, and so many, so many people waking up and starting their own business with it. Right. You know, we've gotten a ton of entrepreneurs that find their way in and they're like, I don't know, I need office space, but, you know, nobody wants to rent to me because I'm in this field or they, I'm not seeing a stable. And my business partner and I at the time just decided, you know what, we're going to expand and we're going to put our event center in another location, which is just across the hall. <laughs> and we're going to take the 3,000 square foot we have now and we divided it into offices. We have 14 entrepreneurial health and wellness energy-based companies underneath the Center for Love and Light that are here actively practicing and succeeding. So you have a co-working space like the hub. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, Jamie, you are totally doing what I've been envisioning. And it great? This is what makes it work though, is when you start bringing these companies in, but then sometimes you find they show up, they have such good work. Oh my God, they do such good work. But in the business area, they go, I don't know. I, I don't know how to do that. You know, I was told I need to not charge much. I was told I shouldn't brag or talk about myself that way because it's not healthy or good. And, and so we have to work through these belief systems and develop, and we've been handholding them. We call it boutiquing you know we boutique their businesses to work for them so that they could work for the center yeah yeah <laughs> it's been that's really fun that's happening a lot that's happening a lot in sydney with social entrepreneurs lots of people out there doing success and motivation coaching that sort of level there but this whole um, psychic energy healing thing I think it needs to happen more with that as well I had a girlfriend who was trying to get that up and running I don't know if she got that happening anyway we're at early days getting this sort of stuff up and running like um, getting businesses out there that are like yeah if you're a healer an energy healer or an intuitive or a reader like having that as a normal solid business yeah. Yes. I love the word normal, solid business with an extraordinary ability. So I went ahead. It took me about two years to put this certification together and I made it based on building your business. I call it the Verity certification. Verity simply means a, a solid belief. So it begins with a belief in your natural ability and your belief in being an entrepreneur. And I have a eight experts, including myself, and uh, two psychologists, and a marketing and branding specialist, uh, and one doctor, and one nutritionalist, and oh, there's some others mixed in there. But I, I sat down and started looking at what, what made me successful. Okay, I've, I've got a talent call it a talent, a gift, a natural ability. You know, everybody has a different word for it. Uh, for me, it was quite natural, but I just didn't know how to shape it, to show up in the world, to normalize it, you know, because people can look at us at a glance and just go, oh, I'm writing you off. That is so crazy. You are weird. You are woo-woo. I can't understand it. 
because we're challenging people's belief systems and you know challenging people's religious belief systems at the same time and that is very you know touchy territory yeah I just want to throw this in what would you say to people because this is not something I get a lot but it's something I've heard a lot what would you say to people who say you didn't go to university to learn this it's a god-given gift you should give it away free it's from god it should be free you shouldn't charge for your psychic abilities your reading abilities like i've heard that a lot i haven't had that personally i've had it a couple of times but what do you say to that i was about to ask does that really happen down under well maybe i see it more in the states but i have a big sort of american yeah. following but it yeah it happens everywhere there's a lot more sort of religious thing going on in the states than it's probably going on in Australia, but not in the area I live in, not, not in sort of Sydney, big city where I live. But um, I've definitely heard that conversation. So what do you say to people like that who say you shouldn't charge? It should be. It's a God-given gift. You should give it away free. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a long answer. No, it, it hits so many buttons for me because I am in the Bible Belt and we yeah. do have a strong religious belief system. And I grew up with the words being put on me. That is a God-given gift. You, you shouldn't charge for it. Right. So my first thing is I ask them, so if I want to dedicate my life to my God-given gift, you're telling me that I am not to acquire any, you know, financial support for that. And I clarify exactly what they're saying. Because sometimes I think they're saying it because it's part of their uh, routine. It's part of they're indoctrinated with it. And I don't think they're really knowing the, the meaning of what they're saying. And so then I reiterate. So I have a family and I want to dedicate all of my time to this gift because I am so good at it, but I, I'm not to take any money. And sometimes they're like, well, you know, you, you're, you, you shouldn't charge a lot because you didn't have to study it. Okay. So the artist that innately knew how to express themselves and make pottery or hang things on the wall that sometimes charge two grand, five grand, upwards to $30,000 for a piece of art, that's okay for them? And they go, well, yes, because they probably went to school. And I go, you know, the majority of artists that we have out there maybe did some schooling, but did everything on their own. Oh, well, you know, it's just, that's different. I'm like, how is it different? you're affected by what I do. You take something away from it, you know, and I'm not here to change your belief system, but you're still saying I shouldn't receive anything in trade for it. You know, a fair energy exchange, nothing. Mm -hmm. And usually by the time I walk them through those kind of questions, they're, they're stumbled. They, they stumble over themselves and they go, well, I guess it's just that I don't understand why you're doing it. And so many people take advantage of other people's grief and pain and, you know, and they're not doing good things with it. And I said, okay, so it sounds like you've been wounded or by some other experience or that you've seen this on TV or heard it from somebody else, but maybe you haven't been in it yourself. And then another story will come out and I take the time and sit with it unless they're yelling at me. You know, I get it where they're very, very angry. Really? You know, you're lining your pockets with my money. That is a direct quote. <laughs> you know, I laugh because it was uncomfortable. I don't laugh because of their, their pain over it. It was really hurtful. And I want nothing more to help somebody. And I do a lot of volunteer time, you know, and 
the public doesn't really know that because I don't stand up on a mountaintop and say, I've given away 30 hours this week. I've done X amount of readings for free because this person really needed it or that company or this. It discounted my services so much. So I have a budget that I look at and how much volunteer time I can do and how many discounted readings to sustain the center, the network, my family, because I'm the sole provider. And that's a formula that you really have to learn yourself and get comfortable with. And, you know, as they're yelling at me, I tell them, I understand you have a very different relationship with money and belief systems. Yeah. It's not mine, but I hear that you are angry and that you want this service, but you feel like you can't afford it. Yes. So why do you do this? And I'm like, listen, I am structured in a way that I'm comfortable with. If you are not comfortable with this, we have other people in our community that don't charge these same prices, and I would love to forward you their name, their information. I don't want you to stop here on your journey. And it kind of throws them off that I actually still want to help them. You know, they really want to tear me apart, wow. and they're hurting. So what do you do? And these are muscles that you don't get trained for in business school. Absolutely. Absolutely. You need to be, yeah, absolutely. I suppose more in America, but you need to be trained to meet those sorts of questions. That, that's where the training comes in. Because otherwise, if you're a sensitive, intuitive, and then someone's yelling at you, you shouldn't be judging, you know, you'll just recoil and then just not do it and go, go back to your day job. You know, just like. Oh. <laughs> yes, you're like, I pulled out the sage and the crystal and I lit everything and I said all the right words and they're still attacking me. Why? <laughs> Too hard. I'll just go back and work at Starbucks or something. <laughs> It's so true, though. Oh, it's so true. So the larger actually, part... I have actually yeah, seen a couple of that comments like that on YouTube about you way back when about, yeah, why does she charge? So maybe that's where that's coming from. But I have had it too. And, you know, as somebody who does read, and, and it is so natural, uh, there's this fine line of boundaries, you know, that once you start tapping into somebody, it's just all this information. It's like, oh, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. And then getting them to actually come and see you and not, not give it all away in a party situation. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I just yes. did that the other night, you know, this funnily enough, I get a lot of uh, psychologists and learned, you know, doctors who come to me, who've done all the study and they really want to help people really want to help people, but they haven't opened their um, intuitive psychic abilities enough to like because they're still in the logical mind they really want to do that so they spent years and years of study and working in that environment but they want to go further and that's when they sort of reach out to someone like you or me to sort of you know open open it's so interesting but they're already set up as the therapist as you know they've already got those boundaries that that mm. relationship with people you're going to come i'm a psychologist you're going to pay me for my learned advice so once they become psychic, they're already kind of set up. It's really interesting. It's really interesting how that works. Yeah, I often thought it would have been so nice to be trained in life coaching or counseling, social work, but I found uh, nonviolent communication. The compassionate communication technique has been rock solid, especially managing people who are upset at what your costs are, you know, being able to stay and of an environment that's hostile, but you're able to protect yourself, you know, so then you don't want to revert and go back to something that's more comfortable because your passion is reading people and working with energy. So there's a, a fine line there. You know, another 
thing that always comes to mind too when people are upset and they say, well, you didn't study this well, because there's not a college for it. Trust me, if there was, I probably would have signed up for it. There is now, you know, you can go for crystal healing, things of that nature. And I love, I'm so thrilled about it. But, you know, I'm, I'm 46. I just invested 46 years of my life managing this ability communicating with them and I've done the self work and I think that's why my business is healthy because I've done therapy I know who I am I know where my limitations are I know what my boundaries are I know when I am putting myself in the reading and I know how to call it quits and be like oh Jamie no you don't belong there the hardest work with being a medium or a reader for me is being neutral and being on the fence and hearing things that would just normally send me through a roof or, you know, bring me to tears and just stay absolutely in the game without any skin involved. Without, yeah, the emotional reaction. Yes, that's a skill. Like that's a skill. Yeah, I've seen that a lot with readers. They hit something and then their own belief systems kick in and yeah. now they're in opinion. They're absolutely, you see it on all those shows on television, you know, those psychic reading shows. You see that all the time. They're in their opinion based on their beliefs about life. And yeah, you see that a lot. Because they have an agenda to educate someone or make them see the world that the reader is seeing or how they lived their life, you know, and it's, that's not your job. It's interesting. I've um, chatted with my mob about channeling and trans channeling and the difference. Like when I saw channelers years ago, I, I have never done trans channeling and I don't know if I ever will do it, but mm -hmm. I've said to them like, why, why do you, why do you do this trans channeling thing? Why can't the personality sort of keep, hang around? And they said, because the personality totally gets in the way. <laughs> <laughs> See, <laughs> and it their does. opinions get in the way. And if we can get that personality out of the way, then we can come through with more clarity, still using the human mind and, and parts of the personality, obviously, and the vocab, but we can come through with more clarity if we can get that personality out of the way. And I go, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I think I was asking them about Edgar Casey because he was called the sleeping prophet mm -hmm. and um, people that are, I've spoken to a lot of channelers who are not aware of anything that's happened. And when they come back into their body, it's like, what did you talk about? That's always fascinated me. But when you're trance channeling, do you like leave the building? Do you go off or do you know what's being spoken? Mm -mm, I don't know what's being spoken anymore. Right. When I first started practicing it, I did. I could feel my mouth, my jaw moving. I could hear the words, but it was like the words were underwater and it was very upsetting. Like I was trying to control it or stop it or, or get too close to it and it would quit because I wanted to be engaged. And finally there was one time where time was lost. Yeah. It's like I fell asleep and I woke up and I looked around the room and I was like, did it work? Like, did we do this? And they were like, two and a half hours just went by. What do you mean? Did it work? Like we all got readings. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> so, that was a shocker and I think that worked really well for me. So it was just a repeat button. I teach people how to get there, but if you're not comfortable with surrendering your body, yeah. that kind of deep trans channeling is not going to happen, but you can get it to where you share space. And um, yeah, I've heard from spirit share the same thing of how it's so much easier just to trans channel, like get out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> totally. 
Yeah, I think I'm too much of a control freak to leave the building. I don't know. I, I haven't tried it. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I want to. Colleen, my assistant, sent me a text today and she was like, oh, Regina's cats came back. I was like, uh, okay. Like, I didn't know that they were missing. And then Colleen texted back. She goes, oh, my God. I think she said that to Maitland when you were trans-channeling. Um, somebody took her cats. Uh, they just returned them today. And I was like, oh, happy ending. <laughs> it's a little unnerving, you know, because, yeah, that was my body. You were looking at me. But I don't get to retain that information that went out, that came in. So it was, it was a little weird. Absolutely. Ah, oh, interesting. Okay, where are we going? with this conversation so many places we can go you know i've been kind of obsessed just the last couple of nights with red table talks have you seen red table talks i've heard it i have not seen it well loving it um i am loving it you know what i'm loving about it i'm loving that it's reaching 10 million people Mm, because it's a conversation about accountability forgiveness race oh so it's juicy it's so great I shouldn't be plugging Red Table Talks on this show, but um, I just kind of see your show doing the same thing, really. Uh, you, you know, you have those. It just reminded me of your show, but your shows, you know, what I'd love to see on Red Table Talks is having this conversation to 10 million people. But right. but they're getting in there. They're talking about, you know, forgiveness and, and just so many important things that, that need to happen across the collective. Yeah, I was watching it last night and thinking, oh, it would be interesting if they got Jamie Butler on there talking about, you know, they talk about intuitive and they kind of, they, they hit those places, but they don't dive in deep. And I was thinking, it would be cool if they could really dive in deep, you know, talking to 10 million people. Yeah. Anyone, maybe they can work that for us. <laughs> That's really cool. I'll definitely start watching that. I'm always into looking for any kind of platform, whether it's a podcast or video cast, that's not just talking to somebody, but maybe challenging them to get into how they're feeling and how those feelings power up your perspective in your life. So Jada Pickett is, you know, it's reaching 10 million people because it's celebrity, celebrity, and we're obsessed with celebrity in our society. But Jada Pickett, I was watching about mental health. And this is a conversation in our community that's really big because empaths or psychics who don't understand that they're you know they have this this they you know it's called mental health problems many of them so many of the crazy people are just unbelievably empathic or psychic and they don't understand how to navigate that she was having this conversation with some other rapper celebrity and she was talking about her depression but what's really interesting i've always said depression is when you're not living on purpose it's when you're not fulfilling your soul's plan Mm. You're feeling your ego plan. So she is a total um, example of being beautiful and rich and famous and fabulous and having the, you know, the, the, the family, you know, having all the trappings, everything that we think that we were supposed to succeed in this lifetime. But it wasn't until she started doing Red Table Talks when she started giving and doing, you know, her soul's calling mm-hmm. That, that depression and mental health thing fell away and now she's happy. And, um, yeah, that's a conversation we need to have yes. more of in the collective. Oh, that, big time. Yeah. Not to keep throwing back to the Verity certification, but the psychologist and the social worker that I have in the seven-month certification, they're going to talk about mental health and the fine line between 
uh, mental disease and a spiritual awakening. Right. It is, it is so subtle of a difference. Right. You know, a spiritual awakening can feel like a mental breakdown, but it's coming from a very healthy core. And when you're in it, it's sometimes extremely difficult to see that healthy core. A mental breakdown is coming from a very unhealthy or unhealthy place. And often when people are coming to see us, and I'm sure you can validate that, is they're having one or the other and they don't know what to do. And they've maybe sought help elsewhere and they immediately just wanted to call it mental illness and here's some medicine and scoot along the way. And sometimes they go to someone else who's maybe more in the spiritual spectrum where they say, oh, you got to meditate and you got to do these things. And there's nobody kind of neutral enough that has the education of mental health versus spiritual awakening. So we're going to put in a lot of hours in going over symptoms and signs and how to assist and help and know who to call when it is mental health disease. Mm. You know, because we know CPR, that's big in the States. Oh, somebody's choking. Here's what you do. You know, 911. Great. But mental illness isn't that immediate kind of a call to action. It's a slow twerking, you know, and rise and fall of imbalance. So what do you do then? You're like, oh, it's fine now, but it won't be fine in five minutes or it won't be this. So we're going to educate people. Who do you call? How do you handle that person? How do you care for them and care for yourself first and foremost while you're in that situation? It's really important. Mm. You know, my best friend committed suicide when she was in her 30s. Mm. She had a breakdown. And uh, I think it was probably more of a, a spiritual awakening that she didn't know how to handle. Because when we were really young, when we were in our 20s, we went to see this um, channeler, right? And the channeler, and I was really keen to sort of know about this stuff and do this stuff. Like I was keen as mustard. Really? She was not at all. She wanted to, you know, be fabulous, be rich, be famous, you know, all that sort of stuff that we all want. And this channeler said to her, you can do what I do. And I was so pissed off. I'm like, you don't want to do that. I want to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but she ended up, yeah, she ended up killing herself when she was oh. like in her mid-30s. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting conversation, the, the difference. I had just went to a girlfriend's birthday party and she did a bit of a sharing about her life and she talked about her dark night of the soul. And then she explains that she had this um, liquid, liquid energy run up through her spine. And I'm like, oh, you had a Kundalini experience. And it just, it just, her world fell apart because, you know, like Kundalini kicks in and you're not the same person. And she didn't know how to operate as the same person. So again, she saw it as her dark night of the soul, but it was just an activation. It was like her Kundalini kicked in and she went from, being more me focused to more we focused and now she facilitates these events in Sydney and she's created amazing conscious community and she's amazing and it all sort of started with that experience that she calls her dark night of the soul so it's interesting it's beautiful because you feel like you're going crazy but you know oh, yeah. you're just like changing paradigms shifting paradigms from it's all about me to it's all about we really isn't it yes coming away from the head and getting down into the heart yeah. And becoming more sensitive. And sensitive does not a weakness. Vulnerability is not an open sign of you're not healthy and you're not going to survive. In fact, I think it's the most like strength 
bound, strongest kind of emotion that we can do. So we're getting there. Humanity is getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. So I've had a few conversations on the show lately about upcoming earth changes. I'd love to know what your guides say about that. Have you been sort of discussing the future with your mob? With your mob. (laughs) They love this. I call them my mob. (laughs) That's good stuff. Yeah, it does pop up every now and then, especially how the earth once again is changing that heartbeat rate. And when that heartbeat rate bursts and gets a little bit faster, boy, the sensitivity in the people, it translates into anxiety, stress. I got to be somewhere. I got to do something, but I don't know what the hell it is. You know, I got to go and I got to go and I got to go and I got to do this, but there's no end in sight because you're translating the energy from the earth and claiming it yours rather than just processing it and giving it back. So I think this whole new movement that's coming, if we speak in global, is a move away from corporations. I think there's going to be a, what I've been shown is that there's going to be better sight from the uh, what do we call us? The people who buy the things. Consumers. <laughs> the market. Consumers. consumers. Customers. Thank consumers. you. Yeah. That the consumers understand more about the value in a good product, how it's made, what it's made with, where it's made, how it's shipped, starting to look at CO2 emissions. And it doesn't really come around to save the planet. It's not about global warming. It's almost like that term has been tainted. And so when you hear it, half the people have been trained to tell you it's bullshit. And the other half of the people are like, it's real. Why can't you just look at numbers, please? So the next movement is educating the consumers about the products that they have and that they're buying. And that's going to switch from conglomerate back to this kind of ma and pop style where things are more localized, where you know who's making it, where it's coming from, hand design, handmade, organic, that kind of a field. And then I think we're going to grow all over again and what it means to import and export. Mm. So these big wars of signing, you know, the contracts from import, export between our countries and your countries and so forth, I think is going to go a little haywire and a little crazy and it's going to scare a lot of people but in the end i think it's about simplifying Mm. Mm. that's a lot that has been coming through i mean there's more to it but that's skimming the surface yep that's something that has come through with some of the conversations i've talked about definitely something that penny kelly wrote about in the robes books 40 years ago um Mm. that were predicted from her little mob she called little because they were like little men in brown robes um what about earth changes like um, weather? Like we're on fire here in New South Wales. So New South Wales is the state of Australia for those people that don't know. And we are on fire. Like there are thousands of fires all over the state at the moment. And I know that California had some horrific fires again. Like we're burning and everyone's talking about it all over the news saying, you know, we always get bushfire season in Australia. It's, it's a dry, hot land. And it's different. It's start. It's this is different. It's early. It's much bigger. It's like it's different. So, what have your mob said about sort of earth changes and weather patterns and things like that? Anything? Have you had any insights on that? 
Not so much. Um, they have briefly talked about certain ecosystems changing. Mm -hmm. um, so, and even um, like my eye has been on the Amazon. I'm a tree right. girl. Yeah. I love my trees. Another, another fire, <laughs> huge fires. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, they're trying to, you know, calm me down. Like, hey, this isn't the end of this. Like, everything is still okay, even though you're watching all this devastation. Everything is still okay. And when you think it's hit a tipping point, it's still going to be okay. Things aren't going to be reversible back to where we came from, but they are going to do a tipping point to land up in a different structure. And it's not a doom and gloom story, but it's a story that I can't really wrap my head around, maybe because I'm so involved with being on Earth, <laughs> but that some of our climates are going to shift. People will be okay. I know I've been hearing a lot about water rising and uh, some regions being new deserts, you know, and people, it's like the migration of uh, survival. It's a slow shift. That's so interesting what you're saying, maybe because I'm a parent, because I've had a bit of, like I've been having conversations on the show and I've been chatting to my Bob and it's, it's like I'm in a human body, so I'm invested in things going well. Is that interfering with being able to really tap into what's going on? Because I have what I want and then there might be what will happen. So that's a conversation I've been having with myself too. So I'm kind of in the, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> There's a beauty to not know. knowing. Yeah. Right? That ignorance is bliss. and Ignorance is not a stupidity thing. There's this... If we're in bliss, then we're going to be creating more bliss-like energy. So there's something to be said about not having all the knowledge. Yeah. It's another little thing. But, um, yeah, I think we do interfere because we are invested. We're invested in things going well. Yeah, we want everyone to be happy and healthy and loving life. And we don't want Earth changes to wipe out half the planet. <laughs> so, no, it doesn't sound like a good plan. Anyway, what about some of the chat? Because I know you've got some amazing channelers and readers and stuff, you know, on your show, your podcast shows and stuff. Have they been talking about it at all? Any of the information been coming through them? A lot of what they're talking about now is the 3D to 5D shift. Right. The evolutionary change of what's happening in the physical body. Mm -hmm. That's the big thing. And so it does blow my mind a little bit and it is you know, getting back to that, like how your friend had the little kundalini awakening mm -hmm. where she went from the I to the we mm -hmm. and how you fall away from your head and your thinking and you get into your heart and you maneuver your life through how you feel rather than how you think, which can be a big mind boggle. <laughs> like it can really just tear some stuff up. Um, but how that changes everything energetically. So that's the big talk over here how we're not only evolving to a 5d so using more of our ethereal and energetic body but how we're able to heal the physical body so we're going to see a movement away from traditional medicine so that means that the traditional structures around hospital around how doctors are paid how prices are you know xyz in certain places all that's going to crumble a little bit and be challenged I think that's going to shake a lot of people. Oh, Jamie, that has to be challenged. That just has to. The sickness industry, I was driving some friends to a meeting the other day and I drove past this brand new hospital, you know, 
billion dollar structure, massive, huge, beautiful brand. And I'm like, I said to them, look how much money we invest in sick care. If only that money could be invested in well care, you know, this massive structure to house all these sick people and yeah, operate on them. And I don't know. I mean, it's fair enough. We need to fix broken bones and everything like that. Be great. I see a future. You know, you see those movies where you lie on a bed and you go and broken bones, just like <laughs> yes, and they mend because of that light or this thing. That is absolutely to me when I think about it, it sounds absolutely woo woo and just completely science fiction. But I'll tell you right now, absolutely possible. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. Yep. Some of the things I've seen with my own energy healing that I've done for other people. Well, tell us, tell us. Give us some stories. Come on, stories. Story time. <laughs> Gather around, children. No. Um, I had the opportunity of being with someone. Um, they had a, um, it's called a, a green break. So it, like a toothpick break. It doesn't snap, the bone doesn't snap in half, but it um, snaps enough where it's really not looking pretty and my instinct was to put my hands on it and heal it and we get to the hospital and lo and behold it has mended itself um, to the point where the doctor said how long have you had this break and we we're like oh we just kind of came here how long have you had the break well not that long he's like we have to re-break it to set it and then put a cast on it because back then you put these big casts and you wrap all that stuff around it and uh, I felt horrible because it's not something I thought of. Oh, set the bone first. And I don't know how to do that, so I wouldn't have done it anyways. I just went into the healing mode while it was all wonky. <laughs> so there's been things like that. I've worked with um, a wonderful woman in New York who had breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And it was aggressive breast cancer. And she decided she was not going to lose her breast. She wasn't going to do it. And um, I was doing Reiki in a spa. It was the first time it was kind of in a spa setting, like taught. It was in the 90s. And she showed up. She was, I've heard about this treatment. I want it from you. And I said, okay, well, here's what I need. I need you to come every day. And I need you for at least an hour. And we're going to do this, you know, for extended amount of time. She goes, I'm in. And she would bring her x-ray and she would put it up in the window and she'd go, okay, here it is. It's like a silver dollar. And I said, okay, which is silver dollar. How big is that? Inch and a half around, maybe? Mm -hmm. You don't do inches either. Hmm. Yeah, so, but we understand them. <laughs> you understand them? It's not the great amount, you know. Maybe if you're under 25, you don't. But anyway, go on. <laughs> you know, then two weeks later, she'd come and she'd bring it up, and it would be the size of a quarter. And she goes, it has to be the size, I think it was a dime, um, before they would do surgery on it and remove it and keep her breast. And so she had it in the mindset, it's got to be a dime. And we would do Reiki. My hands would be candy apple red and they would burn. And when you're working energy with bones, burns, cancers, it feels like it's on fire and it's not a comfortable thing. She would lay down the table and just kind of weep. And she says, it hurts. And I go, I know, just stay with me. Just please don't stop. One day she came in and she slapped up her x-ray and it was the size of that dime and she started crying and she goes, I was passed for surgery today. I wanted to come and show you this and I wanted to thank you. I never saw her again after that. But if she hadn't brought in consistently those x-rays, yeah. I don't think I would have believed what was 
going on because I can't really see into the skin energetically. You can see the cancer and the misplacement and the blockages, but to get the visual proof of it. And her doctor says, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever it is, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yes. She was yes. like, great. That visual proof. It's so interesting working with people's belief system because, you know, she could have had a belief that mm. I have the ability with your help to eradicate it. But no, the belief was we just need to shrink it so I can have the operation. So it's really interesting where her limits were on like, yes. I'm going to believe in this to this point, but I'm not going to go further. My, my belief won't let me, you know, allow me to have complete healing but it'll allow me to have enough healing so I can have an operation. That's right. She prioritized what the doctor said to her. He said, right. we can't operate on it. It's too big. It has to be this big. And she adopted that. Well, I'm going to get it that big for you. And it gave her that structure that she needed to achieve it. I think if he didn't say that, she would have been able to do what you just said, open it up and really yeah, eradicate gave, the whole thing. She gave the doctor the authority and not the authority to the ability I of know. her body to heal her. Like her body can do it. She just has to get out of the way like a trans channel. Get out of the way and let the body do what it does best. <laughs> just get out of the way. I know. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that I started to believe in all this years ago. I was um, talking to some people that had been to John of God, you know, the healer in Brazil. Yes. And I was at a dinner and I remember this man was telling me this story uh, about he had always had sinus problems and he went to John of God and he was just si sitting in meditation and he had this experience where his face swelled up like a balloon and he looked like a balloon for a week or so. And then when it came back down, he said all the bones in his face had been readjusted. His glasses fitted completely differently on his face. Like they had just restructured his bone system in meditation. Just sitting That's in meditation. fantastic. I know, and I'm thinking, wow. And in saying that, not long after that, I fell down some cement stairs and cracked my mm. arm went in, had a look at just a hairline fracture, but just did the same thing, just lay in meditation. I was in pain, like unbelievable. So I just sort of knocked myself out in that I went to sleep and then woke up the next day and um, it had healed. I mean, I have no proof of that because I have no x-rays, but um, I had proof once when I was asking spirit to give me some proof, like show me, show me. And mm -hmm. my daughter cut herself on her foot and I threw her on the, um, I was in the shower at the time, I threw her on the toilet and just thought, I'm just going to put my hands on it to stop the bleeding. And what I noticed was when I put my hands on it, I expected to feel the blood on my hands. So I took my hand off immediately and thought, where's the blood? And it had sealed. It's incredible, isn't it? And, and both of us looked at her foot and went, <laughs> mouths dropped, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, Story belief. after story, yes. Story after story, but it comes down to that belief. Like, do you believe it's possible? Like, do you, yeah, can you open to that? Yeah, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Like um, earlier this year, uh, I'm building a tree house <laughs> in my backyard. And I went to go get some wood from the local hardware store. And I climbed up to grab the wood and uh, jumped off wrong and rolled my foot and um, jumped back up and I was like, you know, I'm just one of those people. It's okay, let's keep going. You know, got the rest of the wood, got home and I was like, my foot's really hurting. So I did Reiki. I did Reiki that day, that night, the next morning, on and off. I'm still walking on it, it's fine. I do Reiki on it for a whole week. And I'm like, it's still a little sore, but 
no swelling, no discolorization, you know, but it's like, something's not right. So I went and got an x-rayed. I broke it. <gasps> but, broke it. Yeah. <laughs> but during that Reiki for the whole week, daily doses kept it at bay. Like it was healing, but I was constantly walking on it and using it and it didn't get that rest that it needed to heal properly. So then I had to get in the boot and everything. And my family was just laughing so hard. Like your Reiki kept you walking on a broken foot for over a week. And I moved. I like packed my, you know, family's house in Florida into a U-Haul and drove the U-Haul and just like, it wasn't a non-active week. We were crazy. Sounds like you were working too hard, Jamie, and you needed a break. <laughs> right. <laughs> Give me a break. Don't give me a break. I don't give me need a break. Give me a break. any more breaks like that. Yeah, we've got to stop saying that. Give me a break. <laughs> it's like, really? Yeah, no, somebody's listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it didn't stop you. So interesting. It didn't stop you. Imagine we're limitless in what we can do. If we had that as a toolkit, you know, a lot of us, I think, now can completely get on board with the intuitive thing. Oh, yeah, gut instinct. Hmm, oh, yes, yes, I am smart in this area, or I just have that ability to clear cognizantly know these things, or I'm slight of an empath. So we got the words now kind of in the common day-to-day -day language, but I don't think we have the practice of it yet. Yeah. So they're thinking it's kind of like if I need a cake, I'm going to pull the recipe out, I'm going to make it, and then I can eat it. We're good. When really it's like breathing. We don't just decide one day we need to breathe and smell something yummy. It's happening all the time. And there's a practice in that we have to pump in and out. Like it is kind of involuntary. Our intuitive body, our energetic body is involuntary as well. It's taking in information constantly from inanimate objects, from people, animate objects, from past, present, future. And I don't think that we're practicing how to hone in on what we need from that and use it to be better at whatever we're looking at being better at. So we get caught up and we go, okay, well now I need it today. And I really need this answer. Does he love me? Does he not? Is this the right decision? Is this where I need to be in college and what I need to do in my career? Tell me yes or no. And then all of a sudden the answer doesn't come and they think, oh, I suck at this. You know, and they demanded it for that one instant and couldn't get it to show up, but what if they were actually in the practice of that relationship with their intuitive body or their energetic body, and then they really needed that answer just once? It would come in with flying colors. It would just be this ease of, I now know what to do because I'm embodying it. I get it. And you move forward. In fact, if you probably had that practice, you wouldn't even need to be asking the questions because your life would be at this point of ease always you're always is a big word to use yeah you're in the flow yeah. that's the word yeah. i love that yeah and it doesn't really matter what happens next you just know there's going to be an answering to whatever you're thinking about next and next and next and we wouldn't it be nice if that happens that'll happen next and next and next. it just fat flows yeah it's just yeah you don't have this oh i remember i was so like that why especially around career i used to go to psychic after psychic after psychic asking what am i here to do what am i what am i supposed to do what am i supposed to do and everyone had a different opinion but it was their opinion <laughs> it was their opinion not necessarily <laughs> guidance i mean not to say that they weren't good psychics but it was their opinion yeah they all had different opinions yeah but that need to know yeah it's so hard to sort of have any answers when you're in that vibration of i need to know 
you're just locked out of the answers, aren't you? Even when you go to a psychic, you can't even hear what they say because you're That's so in the questioning mind. <laughs> That's very true. You know, so, when you do readings for people, people ask you and you give them the answer and then they ask you the same question in a different way. And then you give them the answer and they ask you the same question. And then they still come away confused like, no, I still, because there is so in the questioning, the, the answers can be slapping them upside the face and they just can't get it. They just don't get it. I'm sure you've experienced <laughs> that in readings, haven't you? Oh, a lot. <laughs> I love, um, I had one today, again, a different session where, uh, the woman was asking the same, uh, different questions, but it had the same undertone. Same, yeah. It was the same undertone. And they were, her team is so polite. They were such beautiful people. And they would answer and they'd wait. And she'd ask another one and they'd, you know, and they did this for a little bit. And finally they looked at me and they were like, okay, we're going to talk about the undertone. And they were like, sit down. And for about 10 minutes, they were like, listen, here's your perspective. And we're able to identify that because you came here, 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 and here. It's all the same. Now, if we can change the perspective, all of a sudden, you'll be able to acknowledge what the answers are and how to move. And they asked her if she understood. They explained it in three different ways and then did a little metaphor. And I was like, that was the most, that was the most beautiful thing. Oh, that sounds great. And so she was able to go, ah, oh, I get it. I'm going to work on this perspective back here first. Then I'll start trying on the answers that they gave. She says, I think that feels better. It's like, oh, great. So there's moments like that where you're like, yeah, I know that wasn't me. <laughs> there's no way I'd be that clever. And think of those things or even to acknowledge the undertone of a question. Like yeah, there's so much happening, you know, during a session. Yeah. It was like I was telling you about that client I had who wanted me to speak to her dead father. And I couldn't access him, not really. He was at the end of this long haul. But her guides were coming through, telling her why she was here, talking about who she was, what she was doing here. What she, and she couldn't hear any of it because it's like, but can you see my father? And it's mm -hmm. like, well, no, not really. But, you know, your guides are saying this, but has my father got a message for me? <laughs> so she couldn't hear anything because she had this like, is my father there for me? Yeah, so it was... I told her to go and see another psychic who does that because I don't do that. But yeah, but it's just like hitting a brick wall when this unbelievable information's coming through, hitting a brick wall. Yeah. Anyway, I've gone off track again. I don't know. Well, we could chat all day. But where are we? We've been yakking for over an hour. I know you have to go. You've got kids and family. <laughs> um, there's so much we could talk about. I'm passionate about people understanding their empathic abilities. I had some friends staying with me from the States and there was this beautiful young girl that came who was just such an amazing empath. And, mm. um, but she was suffering from it. I'd love to send her to you to do your courses. They live in Salt Lake City, which is a bit far from you. But you do it. Do you do it online? Yes. The, my basic and intermediate mediumship classes are online. I know Colleen keeps my assistants like, we need to rename those things because <laughs> it's like an energy one-on-one. -on -one. 101 um, for the basics like how do you identify it how do you see it how do you use it how do you perceive it and where are your belief systems where are your boundaries so it's all these checks and balances and then your homework is to go out and explore it and engage with it and then the intermediate mediumship is how do you get the information from the energy how do you translate so then you look at how do you hear information where do you get in where do you interfere with it and why? Mm -hmm. 
And then we look at what's the easiest way for you to get that information. And we try on different things. So you have that homework. The advance is in person in Atlanta. And that's, we practice um, the channeling aspect of energy mm -hmm. to get the information through. So that's pretty intensive. But the first two are online. And if you are starting your own business in the health and healing and energy field, and you're an entrepreneur, the Verity certification is incredible. It's a seven-month process. It's all online. It's done in little bites so that you can still have your career and have a family and not have to sacrifice your evenings or your weekends. So we, we squeeze in little things so that you can take breaks and do the coursework and show up. Um, that's January through July. That's online, yes, so you can be anywhere. And uh, Reiki is in person. That, I'm still very old school. I'm quite traditional with my Reiki teaching. Oh, so you still teach Reiki? Ah, mm -hmm. interesting. I didn't know you did that. Okay. Well, energy healing. Uh, Reiki sort of puts it in a box, but it's energy healing. I remember oh, yes. when I did Reiki oh, 35 years ago, I had this thought, and I was so not religious. Ah, this is what Jesus did. <laughs> right, but that's how they like to teach it here in the States. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, because it was, was very just... a Japanese traditional, very like strict. It was secret. You couldn't tell anybody you were doing it. You couldn't give anybody the little, you know, symbols. It was all very secret back in the day when I did it. It was all very secrecy yeah. and it Ditto. very sort of strict Japanese. And it was this Japanese philosophy and it didn't sort of have any flavors of religion or Jesus or anything. But I had this thought, oh, this is what Jesus did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We added the Jesus talk and the Christianity belief when it came to the States so that people could see it more. And so when I teach, I'll teach it the way that I was taught, the traditional way with the Christian flair, and then the more modern and kind of challenge people to look at the history and why it was translated that way and why it works, you know, not to, you know, downplay any sort of it. I think Reiki must have expanded exponentially since I did it. Um, I think there's a whole lot of bigger conversations than the one I had many years ago. Yeah. That just introduces a whole lot of other sort of energy healing philosophy. I think, I don't know. I don't, because I sort of, the, the banner of Reiki just, I just see this like the chokure, you know, all these little symbols, just this Japanese philosophy. Is that the way you teach it? Uh, I teach it very straight up traditional. Just, I teach it straight up like that and kind of where Dr. Yusui came from, but more I'll educate that way and then I'll educate about your chakra system and your energetic body and why it's working. And then I like to pull up pendulums and dowsing rods to show them visually what each symbol is doing and how it bursts in energy and how it can be used. And then we link it back to belief systems. Yeah. Word choice, belief, you know, all just everything, perspective perspective so it helps solidify it makes it your own when you leave rather than you following a system to make it work because I think if we keep following a system <laughs> we are not listening to ourselves anymore Absolutely. So not that it's all anarchy but please prioritize yeah. yourself first you're number one <laughs> yeah which was which was how I was taught you had to follow these rules and you had to follow this system you had <laughs> to do it that way and, and that's why I say I think that since then it's really kind of loosened and expanded and we weren't talking chakras and all that sort of stuff back then. But yeah. No, not a word. Like, was yours like this where they came in and 
um, but the first attunement, right? They're like, close your eyes. Do not open your eyes. You could not open your eyes. And I was like, oh my God, they didn't tell you anything what was happening. They're blowing on you. They're touching you. It was really creepy. I was freaking out. I'm a you know, young girl in a room of strangers. I'm like, oh my God, get me out of here. And then they, they give you some symbols, like the second go around. Okay, level two. And we had to have 21 days in between. We had to have so many hours of practice. It was very like diligent. And then with the symbols, they give you a piece of paper and they'd help. Oh, and they'd look at your strokes and how you moved your hand and how many times and if it was wrong. And, and then at the end, I was like, oh, these are beautiful. I can't wait to take these home. They collected everything. You left with nothing. It was only by word of mouth and your memory. And I was like, oh my God, this dyslexic kid, I'm not going to believe, I'm not going to remember any of this. I remember finding a pen in my car and then pulling my sleeve back and immediately trying to draw all over my arm because I couldn't find a piece of paper. And I was like, please don't let me forget these things. Yes, it was like that. We didn't, we didn't paint them, but yeah, we did draw. Yes, we, it was very secretive back then. It was all very secretive, which is something why I sort of dissed it. You know, I went on to do Reiki two and three, but I just thought this whole secrecy thing, I was just, no, I'm not up for that. I just like this, this back then it was still how I feel today it's like let's expand this knowledge let's get this out of the closet for god's sake <laughs> that's how I felt yes I do remember there was a couple um we were just people lying on the floor we were just sort of raking them and he was a chiropractor he was a bit of a skeptic but he had a chiropractic adjustment I remember you know just lying on the floor doing nothing and um I thought oh this stuff actually might work <laughs> that like oh this maybe this is maybe there's something in this because I think I did it just out of interest and then when I saw that I thought maybe there's something into this yeah yeah it's pretty phenomenal it's a good first aid kit basic first aid kit knowledge yeah I use it on myself all the time still yeah I don't use the symbols I just ask my mob to like I just put my hands I just say do what you need to do (laughs) I'll get out of the way just readjust this. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, we've got to go. Any last things you'd like to leave with people before oh. we say goodbye? I could say so much. First of all, I just want to thank you for maintaining your show and putting these like-minded people in front of the camera and getting this content out to people. It's so important. And you, I like how you make it conversational. For me, that's how I learn the best. And you let me laugh when we talk. Like, I don't feel any stress showing up to be with you. And that's an incredible sign of an interviewer. Like, thank you. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. Everyone calls them interviews, but I don't like to call them interviews because, yeah, it's exactly what you say. They're conversations. And and I never write down. I had no idea what we were going to talk about. I knew. I said to Colleen, I've got no agenda. Is there something Jamie wants to talk about? Let's talk about it. But I show up like I show up to a conversation. You go to a party, you have a conversation with people, you explore each other's belief systems, you just you open up to a conversation and that's like how I like to do the shows because, yeah, that's life. Right? And it makes magic. Yeah, it makes magic. <laughs> makes magic. <laughs> um, for anybody listening, the Lumineers, people who shine light is what I call them, that... Um, at any point that they hear something or heard something in this podcast or it sparked their curiosity, I really like to encourage you to write that down, to follow through with it, you know, to research it. Don't let it stop here. You know, you're looking for growth, enlightenment, expansion, whatever the word is, 
the way that you're going to get there is by following through just those tiny little moments of aha spark or when you're lit up so if you had those today please follow through and then if you're just feeling social put the fingers to the keyboards and leave a comment about it that way we get a feedback of why these conversations are fulfilling and why they're important and to get Karen to keep continuing on oh beautiful oh thanks for that I should say that on every show you're good at this <laughs> I need to come to you learn how to do podcasting after doing it for 10 years yeah I never I never sort of say that like every now and then I'll say hit the like button subscribe and then I just I get so caught up with the conversation I forget to do all that like let's just follow through because so many people on the internet are just like oh that's interesting next that's interesting yeah it's like they're on this search for meaning and they don't sort of stop and follow through like you say yeah yeah, yeah the pause part I yeah. mean that's what you're providing them and that's the ground zero of any change that you're gonna get out of this people is yeah. the pause moment the acknowledgement and just the light follow-through it could be the research is all you need it could yeah. be that you research and you find a class and you sign up and that's what you need yeah exactly. you know, it could be another rabbit hole altogether which is great just yeah. I mean keep going well, I have to say my audience, I call them the difference makers, the new old teachers. I do attract the people who are looking to use their life in service to others in some way, uh, which means that I don't attract that mass audience that other shows do. It's really interesting. I've sort of screamed at my guides like, why? And they said, don't worry, calm down, calm down. You are attracting people that do follow through, whereas there are other shows that have a much bigger audience, but it's the, it's the clickers. It's like, yeah, that's interesting. Next. Oh, next. It's like they're on this voracious search for information. Can I just drink in more information? So th th that's who you're talking to, Jenny. So perfect. We'll get some people signing up to some of your courses. <laughs> yes. Come join me at the Verity certification in January or the basic or intermediate mediumship. We're online. It's fun. It's live stream. We'll talk. We'll talk. Let's talk. Thank you so much for chatting. Thank with you. Again. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Hope you enjoyed the show we did with Jamie and that you received a lot out of what we spoke about. Yeah, as she said, there's so many people watching or listening to podcasts that don't really follow through on what they hear. Yeah, so following through is good. Even leaving comments, talking about it, starting your own groups, having discussions with other people. Let's expand this consciousness. That's what we're all here to do. If you're watching this show, it's because... You're here to expand the consciousness of this world. Uh, you can do it in through your work or through your personal life, but just have conversations about it. Don't just sit on your computer and just have that conversation with you and the computer. Like get out there and start talking about it. Join groups, leave comments, email me, email Jamie, do her courses. I'm not getting a kickback for her courses, <laughs> so I'm not plugging her courses for kickbacks. I just think we all need to be educated about our intuitive empathic and psychic abilities because I believe that the human race is going there. I think that we're all moving into a more psychic environment where we're, communication is going to change. We're going to stop communicating verbally and start being more telepathic. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I think that the amount of empaths, especially in the young people, is the beginning of that transitioning process, going from this verbal intellectual communication to a more empathic psychic telepathic communication 
So as the young ones come in with their expanded fields and their unbelievable empathy and then suffer for it, I think it's up to us to catch them, you know, in the net and say, you don't need to suffer because you're an empath. You don't need to suffer because you're psychic. You know, you can learn to handle your energy. You've got to focus on love. As a young empath, I would feel overwhelmed when I went out to supermarkets or in any crowd because I would feel so much. But when you raise your own vibration, when you do the work on yourself, you can really only tune into a similar vibrational match. So if you're depressed and you go out into the public, you are going to get hammered and slammed. But if you're in a really good vibe and you go out there in the public, you're really only going to feel a similar vibe. So you actually just feel happier when you're out there feeling everybody's happiness. You know, I went to a party the other night and my friend had hired this beautiful house, a little terrace house, and it was full of stuff. It was full of paintings. There wasn't an inch of wall that didn't have a painting on it. Old, you know, antique, bric-a-brac sort of stuff. It was fabulous. It was a fabulous house, but it was so cluttered. And as an empath, like Jamie says, you know, you feel the energy in inanimate inanimate object especially when someone's owned something you know what do they call that when you when a psychic can take a ring and feel into the ring and it has the imprint of the person the energy of the person on the ring so does furniture so does paintings everything so is a psychic or an empath walking into a house that's that cluttered it's overwhelming so I'm there to help my friend set up and have her birthday there and I'm dealing with my own stuff can I be in this environment there was not one inch there was not something, every ledge, every table had bits and pieces on it, packed full of stuff. And the clutteredness of the energy was overwhelming me too. So I'm like, can I be in this environment? Am I going to be able to operate? And then you know what I said to myself? Get over it. <laughs> You're not here to play victim to your psychic abilities or your empathic abilities. You're here to help your friend set up for her birthday party and to be here to enjoy her birthday. And that's a conversation I had with myself many times before people started to arrive because I felt this overwhelm of this influx of energy and information coming from all this clutter and the clutter of the energy in the place, not just the stuff but the energetic clutter. She's giving me a sage stick and saying, can you smudge the house for me? And I'm like holding this little sage stick going, this ain't going to do it. <laughs> but anyway, I indulged her and smudged the house. But really we need to clean up our own thoughts. We're going to go into environments where it's not easy to be in. But we've just got to get over ourselves and ask ourselves why we're there and what are we going to focus on? Are we going to focus on how I'm in overwhelm or am I going to focus on I'm here to enjoy myself, I'm here to be there for my friend, I'm here to connect with others and enjoy myself and in the end I had a fabulous night you know we had like 50 or 60 people squashed into this little house and it was not only cluttered with stuff it was cluttered with people we were like dancing around each other all night squeezing past each other it was hilarious but I focused on the joy of it all and I had a great night and I think as empaths and psychics who are victimized by our own abilities that's what we need to do we need to have that self-talk where am I going to place my focus on how I'm being victimized by my abilities or how I can just let that go and focus on the joy and that's what you can do so I hope you take that on board 
uh, if you're psychics or empaths or if they if your abilities are expanding because I think as we discussed with Jamie a lot of people that start to have spiritual awakening awakenings and kundalini experiences their field starts to expand their empathic abilities start to expand and then they wonder why they feel overwhelmed in situations supermarkets crowds in the street in traffic yeah but shift your focus from your overwhelm to what you want to focus on and you'll be right <laughs> love you all uh, what's coming up on the show a few people coming up on the show I can't remember my head <laughs> can't remember who it is Kevin Kevin Briggs is coming back he's got something to tell us about next year and we're going to explore his his psychic ability more because he's had an amazing 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 life experience and as he said on the show which I only did a couple of months ago with him he would have gone to his grave and never told anyone about it but his guide said to him about a year and a half ago you need to tell people about what you've experienced you need to tell people about us and you need to write a book and that's what he did and so I have had a show with him recently but we're going to go more into it and um, and Jamie just gave me some names of some great people to put on the show as well that she deals with over there so more to come Yes, Inner Sanctum with Penny coming up next week, Energy Healer and the beautiful Courtney Beck coming in December who's a channel, channel of higher consciousness. She's just had um, traveling, she's been traveling through the States and Hawaii so she's got lots of stories to share with us in December. So join us for the Inner Sanctum, why don't you? And uh, also you get to quiz me and I do teachings, deliberate creation teachings in the Inner Sanctum. Love you all. Remember to buy the book Awakened by Death and I'll see you all next time. Big love. Bye for now.